All right, this is our last episode of Lessons in Chemistry, but as per usual, Candace and I got a little carried away with the details, so it's extra long. So enjoy part one today and part two next time for our grand finale of Lessons in Chemistry. I have been running around. It's kind of insane. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. What's going on? Um, well, I woke up early, early, early and I went to the gym with my girlfriend and then I immediately went for a walk with my sister-in-law and then got a coffee and then I came here and then I had a shower and now we're potting and then wow. as soon as we're done, Andrew and I are going to do chores. So I'm like, Ugh. that is a lot of things. Very Ugh. active day. A very active day. And it's like very cold and wet and rainy, which should indicate a not active day. It should indicate (laughs) like a slow, sleepy day. Yeah, you should be sleeping all day. I agree. But here we are. Wow. And you guys even went walking outside. I know. Well, it's like it rained all last night and it's still gray. Mm -hmm. And it's like a light mist. Yeah. So I don't I don't walk in the rain. I don't like getting wet. Yeah, I don't like that either. But then it's all muddy after the rain, you know? Yeah, yeah. Luckily, we were um, walking in a neighborhood with sidewalk. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, so it really wasn't that big of a deal. All Um, things considered. I'm imagining the big forest by your house where there's a giant lake to the side. And I could just imagine a mudslide going down. (laughs) (laughs) More than 10 minutes of rain. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We had to pay a lot of money to get that drainage such that that wouldn't happen <laughs> to us. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Glad you're, you're safe from the mudslides. I am too. I am too. How's your week shaking out? It's good. This week's been really nice because my school hasn't started back yet. This is my our first week back. And so I've just had a free schedule, which has been awesome. So I've been oh, I thought school started next week. It starts in two weeks. I have a maybe really I missed the first break. part of what you said. What did you say? I said this week's been really good because my school hasn't started back yet. Oh, 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 oh. I missed the the has not. Oh yeah, 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 I yeah. Was just so, hearing has okay. No, no school. So yeah, I've been reading a lot. I've been I've been living my housewife dream of cooking and just doing normal house things. And honestly, it's so nice right now for short periods of time. I'm like, this is great. I know I did the housewife thing for a summer because Andrew and I had moved to Atlanta and I was going to start grad school in August, but Mm -hmm. we moved up in like June. And so it was this weird amount of time where you can't get a job. Yeah. No one wants to hire you you know, for that short amount of time. And then, you know, I was there. So anyway, um, that summer, all I did was work out, play video games. And then we had a very small apartment. So right before Andrew would get home, I would clean up in like 10 minutes. (laughs) And then I would start cooking dinner and he would think that I had been doing it all day. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) He comes home and you're like fainting on the couch, like, oh, I've been cleaning all day. Yeah, I'm like, chop, 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 chop. (laughs) Just me, hard at work. (laughs) It's a pretty good life, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. A stay well, at home with no kids. That's that's primo. That's primo <laughs> material. <laughs> well, this all brings us, of course, to our favorite housewife and an announcement. Mm-hmm. <gasps> you won't believe it, Candy, but this podcast will be like none other. What? Because I came prepared. <gasps> <laughs> And not only do I now have notes and summaries for the rest of the chapters, which I didn't have the past few podcasts, but I also even did research on the book and I have a game for us to play and potentially (gasps) a new permanent segment that I think you'll really like. Permanent segment for lessons in chemistry? So for the podcast. Oh, do tell. think, well, are you sure you don't want it to be a surprise? I kind of like the idea of it being a surprise the whole time. You're just going to surprise me with the game. Yeah, at the end, I'm going to explain it to you. And the whole. Oh, we're not playing. We're not playing the game now. No, it's a game for when you're done with the book. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's do that. Mm. Yeah, I forgot to explain that part. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm just not going to know that we're playing a game, but you're playing the game. And then at the end, you'll tell me what the rules were. (laughs) That's actually the premise of this whole podcast. Yeah. It's all been a game the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you on the very last episode. You've made all these fake accounts and got all these fake listens. (laughs) Even wrote a fake email to us fake yeah everything's fake <laughs> wow what a turn that what a be. twist uh all right we're gonna do some book bookalytics i think so because we need us make sure we have time for my game at the end so i think we should get a roll on things there okay. has been some new developments oh and bookalytics yeah Ooh. okay so it looks like we are Three listens away from 500, which is very close. And if we are to triple that number in the next 90 days, we can get a sponsor. So everybody needs to tell their friends. Yeah, exactly. If every person who's listening right now told three people, then we'd get there. Or easier, steal three phones and then just listen for 30 seconds. That is true. But we want repeat listeners because we need them to listen to every single episode. They need to go to the backlogs. (laughs) You see, that's how that's how we win is getting new people to listen to the entire podcast. That's because we have however many episodes, 30 some odd episodes. So that would be 30 listens per new listener. I think we could get to 1500 pretty quick. So we don't even need. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, But what I wanted to highlight is if you go to the audience, you'll notice that the UK has surpassed Slovakia. I did notice that. Mm -hmm. Someone in England has listened as much as our Slovakia listener, who for a long time was the very large portion of our listens. That's true. I forgot how large Slovakia was at that one time. Yeah, so this is someone who's probably listened to at least, I would say, 10 so odd episodes. Wow, welcome, UK. Oh, wait, 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 Candy. UK was there in the beginning. That was our first international listener. Yeah, but they their percentage was at low rankings, and we found out they had only listened to half of one episode. They're back. They're Either they're back 
or their friend said, <laughs> I'm going to listen. Maybe they heard that they I were mean, our you, favorite listener. I know. I do hope you think they, they did. I hope they did too. I hope they email us. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. What, what a turn of events if they came back heard all of our fan gushing about them. And then they're our first email. Wow. <laughs> That'll be our number one for sure. That would be a twist. That would be a big twist. Maybe something came up in their life and they're like, I'm so sorry. I haven't listened in so long. I've been trying to get back as fast as I could. I hope if that's the case, they put that in the email. They should. I think that's the only reasonable excuse for them. Having not listened for the past four months. I would agree. Well, welcome back, UK listener. We're so glad you're here. So I thought that was cool. I think Massachusetts is new. I think you're right. Yeah, we have a lot of states now, so that's really cool. Yeah. I haven't and counted them up, but a lot. The one person in Massachusetts makes up 2% of our U.S. listenership. So that's a pretty pretty big amount. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Massachusetts person. I know. Wow. That's awesome. Have you, have you ever been to Massachusetts or Boston? No. Or? I've been to Virginia. I think that's the closest. Oh, you know, I was in, oh, where was that? No, I think that was Virginia too. I flew out of DC once, but anyways, no, I haven't. Have you? I was, I was on a 10 day cruise and we made a pit stop in Boston. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. It's a very cool place. Yeah. I hear. I hear a lot about the fall foliage. Oh, yeah. We were there during fall, but I don't remember it being like, I remember it being wet. Yeah. And rainy. So we were only there for an afternoon. Yeah. So I think we kind of hit it on an off day because I don't remember it being like, oh, my gosh, like so beautiful, you know, trees and this and that. I don't remember that. But I think we stopped by. Um is Harvard in Boston? I think it was Harvard. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Boston. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we stopped by Harvard and toured that and you see all the smarty pants and you're like, wow, how cool. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. That was a cruise excursion. I guess that makes sense. So, I mean, Harvard is a big, I don't know, landmark kind of. It was an odd cruise. It started in um, Quebec in Canada. Oh. And then it went through all these weird little port towns. I think I've talked about this before. All these little port towns in Canada. Okay. And then it swung down the New England coast and landed in New York City. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I do remember this. Okay, Quebec's on this side. That makes more yeah. sense. So um, Quebec City is where we left. That's a port town. And okay. Then we went all around and then we stopped by Nova Scotia and some other places. Wow. That's cool. Saguenay. Saguenay was, apparently there's these beautiful fjords there. Okay. The Prince Edward Islands. Yeah. Um, but apparently Saguenay has these beautiful fjords that you're supposed to book an excursion for, but we didn't do that. We weren't super prepared. And we got off at the port town and it was like one little bar. Oh, so you didn't have an activity to do? Yeah. And then oh, there was bummer. nothing. Aww. So 
is one of those things where it's like, if you're going to do a cruise like that, you can't just expect to get off the port and be like, oh, I'm in New York City. I'm going to go do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Especially depending on how long your stop is, because we had some stops on our cruise where it was like just the morning or like just the afternoon. And it's mm-hmm. like you really can't do anything on your own. You know, you can't get out of the cruise port, basically. No, you can't even. It takes so long to get off the boat. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it takes at least an hour to get off the boat and, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's kind of a cool cruise. But yeah, so I feel like we're, we've got some new listeners. So really excited about that. Okay. Also, I don't know how to pronounce this word, so I'm going to play it. Okay. Fjord. Yeah. I think the J is silent. Fjord. Fjord. Yeah. I think I was saying Fjord or something. Yeah. I, I think like you were. That's what you were saying in Elantris. Yeah. Fjord. Fjord. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, Do we have Canadian listeners? Um, I think we had someone listen one time from Canada, oh, but they yeah. never came back. I think you're yeah. right. British Columbia it was. Cool. Well, they'll never hear this. Um, one last little note from Bookalytics. We um see the different platforms that people listen on. Spotify's actually gone down a lot. It's now down to 30. It used to be at like 75 or something. Um, yeah. which is a reason Spotify should sponsor us so we can get back all their Spotify listeners. I agree. <laughs> um, but also one of our um platforms is this thing called Podbean, which I thought for <laughs> sure was our UK listener. Because it just sounds like it should be a British thing. But I looked it up and it didn't have anything to do with England from my quick Google shirts, uh, search. What is it? I don't really even know. It was just like a, another platform. Oh. Yeah. I don't, you know, we could, we could make podcasting podcasts on Podbean. Maybe if Spotify doesn't sponsor us, we'll go to their competitor, Podbean. Well, apparently you can make podcasts on like all of these different platforms. We didn't even look at that. I think we just looked Mm -hmm. at Spotify and we're like, okay, good enough. We didn't do any research. We didn't. That's very true. We just kind of showed up here. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we should start getting our applications together and get ready to leave this place. (laughs) We don't have any sponsorships. <laughs> we'll see. All right, time for lessons. Let's do it. Our last episode. All right. I know. I don't think we've ever potted this much in succession. No, we have a lot. We've never been this motivated to finish a book. <laughs> I think we we are simultaneously motivated to finish the book and also we saw what it was like to not have winter rations <laughs> and it was, it was bleak y'all. We know what starvation is like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it feels like <laughs> it was bleak. We were so tired and it was like, Chrissy's trying to do school. And then we, I have all this holiday stuff and you're trying to work out your schedules. And it was so much pressure trying to pod edit publish yeah. each week, week to week. <clears throat> Yeah, going week to week was, we knew that wasn't our plan. We weren't planning on going week to week, but we just got excited with lessons in chemistry, mm-hmm. our naive selves, that we would jump on the Apple, is it Apple TV series? Yeah, I don't know how popular that entire show was. We probably should have read the book first. 
we probably could have predicted. <laughs> probably could have said this isn't going to be a popular show. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was. I I mean, the book has been really popular. I but yeah, I don't think I don't think the show has done very well. I don't know though. It has an eighty-four well, on Rotten so Tomatoes. I was gonna say it has very good reviews. I just don't know that a lot of people have Apple TV, mm. so I don't know that it's like popular in that way. Well, okay, that that's a fair point. But I'm thinking like Ted Lasso. Well, I only think it's super popular because I watched it. Like, if I watched it, everyone probably has seen it by now. But, like, that was a really big show, I feel like. And that was on Apple TV. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just our podcast that's not super popular. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 that can't be it <laughs> no <laughs> i still think it would be fun if you and andrew and me and josh watched lessons in chemistry and then we gave our review of it but i mean i don't know if i really want to commit to this whole thing is it only one season is that the end of it or yeah it's only it's only one thing um okay. I would be down to watch it and then maybe we could just use a 15 minutes to debrief it, but I don't want to break down the episodes. Oh no. Yeah. It could I, just be a one, one off fun episode. Yeah. Maybe we could do that like a bonus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That could, yeah. that could be possible. I'd be willing to do that. I think that's about as much as I'm willing to commit. I mean, we've already committed 18 hours to this book. Have we really? Yes, wow. maybe. How many episodes? Is this episode 12, I think? Maybe. We're episode 11. 11. And this will probably be like... two parts. And each episode is anywhere from an hour to an hour and 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Not to mention all the editing and stuff. So if you include yeah, that, I definitely know. 18. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, yeah. well, let's get into it so we can we can finish all this. Yeah. Okay, so let's welcome to Bookalicious. This is a podcast for two sisters chat about books we're reading. I'm Chrissy. And I'm Candace. And today we are finishing Lessons in Chemistry, a book we love, if you couldn't tell from our... <laughs> From our intro. <laughs> okay, I will say, and part of my research for this episode, because I um, prepared very hard for this, is I listened to some interviews with Barney Garmus, and I was like rereading the chapters to write all my summaries and stuff. And I was like, you know, I, I think I like it more on the second read. And also, I mean, the ending is just, the second half of the book just feels so different from the first half that I have so, like two polar opposite feelings about this book yes the pacing was odd and the there was a huge like tonality shift yeah almost to a point where i wish they had done a part one part two yeah that's fair not that not that i think that would have done anything but maybe you do like a part one part two and like a little mini time hop or something yeah i mean there was humor in the first half, though, right? Like, like it's still quick and witty. 
It was this... it was always quick and witty, but there was just so much heaviness. Yeah. There was so much heaviness. Yeah, and... it was not dispersed. No, and it just felt like it was a pummel. And I also think that this book is perhaps not best read going line by line. That's probably true. <laughs> you want to get past it as soon as possible to get to part two. <laughs> yeah, I I think there was just so much like build up. Um, and we'll talk about this too. Is that I I wasn't super satisfied with the ending. Mm. So. But we'll get there when we get there. Let's get there. Okay. Okay. So we are starting on chapter, let's see here, chapter 39, I believe. Mm -hmm. Is that right? That's what I had. Yep. <clears throat> okay. So chapter 39, it's called Dear Sirs. And in this chapter, um, we see Madeline and she's feeling terrible because she feels responsible for her mom not being a chemist. Um, and so then she wants to go see Wakely, the pastor or the priest. Um, but when she goes there, she sees... Frask, who's now his secretary, um, and she drops off a private envelope for Wakely. And of course, Miss Frask is Miss Frask, so she opens it and she reads the <laughs> she reads the science article that um, Roth, the interviewer, had wrote about Elizabeth. And it's the good one where it's like she's a brilliant chemist and all these wonderful things. Um, and it's not the terrible one that appeared in Life. Um, and when Miss Frask reads this, she is newly enraged at Hastings and the Life magazine, and she writes a letter to the editor telling the truth of Elizabeth's time at Hastings and how terrible the nasty is and all the other terrible things that happened there. Um, we also see that Zot is still depressed and Harriet tries to comfort her, but there's really nothing to say until at the end of the chapter, Harriet has an idea. Yes. And then the only thing to add is that Madeline goes there and Tanya Harding, Mrs. Frask, devastates her. Oh, my gosh. She she didn't at first. And then she just like threw slammed down the truth at Madeline in a terrible way. What? Who's four years old? Who's four? <laughs> yeah so they're having this whole interaction and madeline's like oh you knew my mom like what was she like and then she was like what did it say she said he frask hesitated she realized she had no idea what he'd been like he was completely in love with your mother madeline lit up really and your mother she continued for the first time without jealousy was completely in love with him and then Madeline's like, what else? And then she's like, they were so happy together. So happy that before your dad died, he left your mother a gift. You know what that gift was? She tipped her head toward Mad, you. And it sounds like she was being, she's trying to be nice. I think so. I think she was genuinely trying to be nice. Yeah. And so then Mad's like, and then what happened? She's like, what happened? Frask thought, well, I spread vicious rumors about your mother, which culminated in her firing, which led directly to her state of penury. I don't know that word either. The state of being very poor. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Apparently it's like a UK, penury. I guess, maybe. Penury. Penury. In her state of penury, which led to an eventual return to Hastings, which led to your mother screaming at me in the woman's bathroom, which led to the discovery that we'd both been sexually assaulted, which led to our inability to get our PhDs, which led to unfulfilling careers in a company led by a handful of incompetent assholes. That's what happened. But she instead, she said, well, your mom decided it'd be more fun to stay at home and have you. And then Madeline keeps prodding about it. And then she's like, OK, well, she was fired. That's it. She was fired because she's pregnant with you. 
yeah <laughs> and then madeline crumples and i was like oh my gosh yeah gosh uh, so frask is still at it she she tried but i mean i guess to her credit it's like madeline kept being nosy and eventually it's like all right well if you want to know the truth that's the truth i know i mean she could have said something like well the people who work at hastings are you know mean people who don't support women and so when your mom was pregnant they fired her i don't know like put more of it on the company rather than on madeline because i think that's how it sounds is like you came and you were the problem yeah i think that's a really good point that's a really good point could have been improved mm-hmm. so yeah so that happens and of course madeline is you know de- depressed <laughs> everyone is in the book mm-hmm. um i did feel i did think it was interesting that that the whole book we've seen a theme of people feeling responsible um for mm. other people th- what happens to other characters so here we see madeline feels responsible that her mom isn't a chemist um and both elizabeth and 630 feel responsible for calvin's death um frask feels responsible for elizabeth getting fired so both madeline and frask well frask was responsible for her getting well fired. that's true she was i mean madeline kind of was too in a way <laughs> yeah but not as deliberately as frask. definitely not as deliberately <laughs> But I just think that is kind of interesting. Oh, and even also Wakely feels responsible for Calvin's death because later yes. it says, like, I'm the reason he moved here. And so I just thought that was kind of interesting. I, I do think that's interesting. I don't know that so many people feel this responsibility like that. You mean in the book or in real in life? In life. Oh. I couldn't imagine all of these people feeling like that especially like wakely and stuff like maybe elizabeth with the leash but like wakely you're kind of like you were a pen pal he's the only reason calvin came to the city yeah and i mean what about madeline would you feel responsible if you're madeline i i could see that being madeline because you're four um, and you don't really have like the emotional, mm, I don't want to say bandwidth. What am I trying to say? Maturity to recognize like what is just life versus what is I did this and this directly resulted in it. Like with Frask, it's very obvious. She's like, I spread these rumors about Elizabeth and therefore she got fired. She should feel responsible. <laughs> yeah. Madeline <laughs> should not feel responsible. Well, I guess, can you be responsible maybe unwittingly? Because I think you're drawing the distinction that Frask was deliberately responsible, but maybe all these other people are have like implied responsibility somehow. Because like even Zot with the leash thing, I mean, it's not like she made the leash malfunction or whatever, but she just put the leash there. And then the leash is what led to Calvin's death. So in the end... So I think, okay, so I just want to look up the definition of responsible. And I think that there's a lot of different ways that you can use it. But I think the way that we're using it as is being the primary cause of something. And so able to be blamed or credited for it. I think that's how these people are using feeling responsible. Like they're the primary cause. Oh, yeah. I don't think Wakely making an offhand comment about the weather 
makes him the primary cause for Calvin dying. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think you're right. So I think that's why it feels like all of these people are, it feels a little in the world realm of unbelievable that they would have this strong response, this strong reaction to Calvin's death, even though they were just like very flippant, casual comments. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That kind of just fits with the rest of the book where everything is kind of unbelievable. Like everything is true. to the extreme. So even if you felt mm -hmm. like a twinge of guilt, now you're like, I'm the one responsible. Yes. Yes. So, I think that's true. Frask says something that I really agreed with. And so Frask says, again, not your fault. She keeps reassuring the child. Um, so she feels bad that she said that. So she's trying to like rebuttal it. <laughs> And then she goes, like, you wouldn't believe how close-minded the people at Hastings are, complete jerks, blah, 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 blah. And then she said, anyway, you're looking at this all wrong. Your mother didn't leave Hastings because of you. She got out thanks to you. This is the part. And then she made the very poor decision to go back. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for how terrible Frask is, like, she's smart. I mean, she sees everything that goes on. She knows what's up. Mm-hmm. And she makes terrible choices sometimes, but mm -hmm. she also, she sees through things. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good lines that come up in these last few chapters where I'm like, huh, that's a good, good, like, life lesson there. Like, she didn't leave because of you. She got out thanks to you, you know, and it's like in the moment, it seemed like, oh, this is terrible. I have to leave my job. But in the end, it's like, you got out of a terrible situation. Yeah. So Madeline Hans frask an envelope that says private and this is the original bad article or this is the rewritten good article this is the rewritten good article it is um let's see this let's oh oh i see what you're saying with the original bad article i think this is what was supposed to go out to life right because um Harriet is the one who gets the one that goes out into vogue. Unless, does, is this the same article that gets passed to Harriet somehow? It says, as soon as the door shut behind Madeline, Frask ignored the child's instruction and opened the envelope. Holy hell, she fumed as she read Roth's latest. Zot really is the real deal. So that was the good article. Yeah, it's a good article. So I guess that's, yeah, that's the second article that comes out. Okay, and then it flips. I'm guessing it's a time jump because now she's addressing the editors at Life Magazine. Oh, 30 seconds later. Yeah, no, it's the same time. So the Life article has come out and Zot, it's like a terrible story about Zot. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. but the interviewer had sent this good story. I think he sent it to Wakely, maybe because he couldn't get a hold of Elizabeth. I kind of forget. Um. Or wait, this is for... Well, he gave it to Madeline. Well, he gave it to Elizabeth. Somehow... He gave it to Elizabeth, but Elizabeth didn't want to see it because she's like, I don't want anything to do with the interviewer. And I guess yeah. Madeline got a hold of it and she's giving it to Wakely. I don't know. Okay. But anyways, um, and so now Frask reads it and she's like, oh my gosh, that original life article, like I can't believe the editors let that one go through or like changed mm. it to that. So now she's writing a letter to the editors, like enraged and telling the truth of what actually happened at Hastings. 
And then it says it appeared in the very next issue. So her letter about how horrible Hastings was got published. Yeah. The next month or whatever. Okay. Are you surprised that they listened to this lady's, random lady's letter to the editor? Or are you not surprised because like, oh, this is some juicy dirt. We're going to publish it. It yeah, I I think it this is kind of like that tonal shift where it's in the first half of the book, anything you do never works out and here everything you do always works out. <laughs> they drink that magic potion in Harry Potter, the, yes. the lucky charm or whatever. It's like fearless felicious or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it right, it kind of just seems like everything goes right whereas if I had read this in the first half, I'd be like, no, they're going to burn it up. Yeah. Why would they listen to this random secretary? Right. Who's a woman. Right. <laughs> when they didn't listen to Elizabeth Sott's story. I don't know. Yeah. It, I, I agree. Yeah. So. All right. But they did. But they did. So that's great. And so I guess now we're at this latest copy of life. So maybe a lot of people were writing in about how bad men are and Hastings and their workplaces. Um, Because it says, Elizabeth, read this, Harriet said, holding the latest copy of Life in her hands. Women from all over the country have written in Life in Protest. It's a rebellion. Everyone's on your side. There's even one from someone who claims she worked with you at Hastings. Yeah, okay. My question with that, though, is like, how does everyone else know what to say to Life magazine? Because... I mean, they only know her from the cooking show and maybe they could say, hey, that's not the Elizabeth I know. But like, because what appeared in life, I'm pretty sure was like Dynasty and Mrs. Mudford saying bad things about Elizabeth. I don't know. Like, I didn't get how everybody else knew to write in also. I thought it was, it'd make sense for only Miss Frask, but I don't know. Th this was odd. I don't, I don't know. I yeah. don't know what this rebellion is. I don't <laughs> Where did I, it come from? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how they knew how these random, yeah, like you're saying, how would these random women know that these things in the article were not true? Yeah. You would only know that if you knew Elizabeth. But Elizabeth, as we have pointed out repeatedly, has no friends. <laughs> so who would know this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how is everyone, I mean, I, yeah. I have no idea. It it did seem to be a big jump that suddenly there's a rebellion. This like sparked the women's movement. I mean, I think that's kind of what the book is getting at. Like Elizabeth Zott sparked this whole movement. But yeah, I don't get how it started right now. What would make sense is if Frask wrote her letter, they published it, then hundreds of other women right. were like, oh yeah, I was treated like this. And then they you know, posited it as blah, 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 blah. That would make a lot more sense. We're, we're, we're missing. We're missing something here. <laughs> okay, well, um, quick tidbit from one of the interviews I listened to with Bonnie Garmus. Oh. Um, I know, I did so much research. Um, she, uh, well, two things. One, her first book that she tried to write got rejected 98 times. And the publisher who is nice enough to read it, um, she read the first 10,000 words and she said, your writing style is good, but this book is 700 pages. And how dare you think you can write that as a first time author 
which was a terrible email. (laughs) (laughs) But Bonnie was like, I guess I do need to make my first book shorter. Anyways, so she was on a page limit for this book, partly because if it's too long, people won't read it. But also because once it reaches a certain page, I guess there's like different brackets. And once it reaches a higher bracket, then the cost goes up for everybody. And so to keep it within a certain range, she had to keep it, you know, however many number of pages. So she did have to take some things out. So I wonder if some of these jumps at the end, it's like, all right, got to start cutting somewhere. uh, I think, I think there's a lot that could have been cut. Probably starting with the rowing. (laughs) I don't know what the rowing really added. (laughs) Life lessons. You know, that's a good point. But Bonnie Garmus is a rower. Did you know that? think it's in her little bio thing i mean it would make sense that she's a rower and i like i liked the row i liked the rowing and i enjoyed it but if i'm being strategic and i'm like i need to write this book and i'm cutting out things to make my book make sense (laughs) (laughs) what i would cut would be the rowing (laughs) because the rowing has been a very like strong what do you call it? Not a pull through. Yeah. Like a thread line throughout this book, but I don't know that it really adds a whole lot other than Elizabeth being quirky, which we have plenty of that. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think that's true actually. (laughs) (laughs) She could have not been a rower. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, all right. But yeah, so so you get that jump. But anyways, I guess there's a revolution now. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Elizabeth, um, she's not reading any of the new work, any of the new like publications that are coming out, even though Harriet and all of them are like really trying to get her to read it. And so for the last few weeks, she'd done her best to keep her head up, ignoring the article. Carry on. That was her coping strategy. And then that's basically how she's handled everything up until now is to compartmentalize and bury. And which to is fight a- it. Or like, right? Didn't she say that earlier? Like fight it. But you're right. She doesn't like, you know, accept it or think about it. Yeah. So, well, what it says is the coping strategy Carried her through suicide, assault, lies, thievery, catastrophic loss. It would again, except it hadn't. This time, no matter how high she lifted her head, life's misrepresentation of who she was beat her back down again. The damage felt permanent, like a brand. She would never outrun it. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That is what she says. So in this particular circumstance, I think her coping mechanism for handling difficult times is to just pretend like it's not a big deal. Yeah. But- it's too big. She can't compartmentalize. Yeah. That's also not a good coping strategy. FYI. It's not. But I mean, I think, I mean, yeah, it's not a good one. And it maybe works for a short time, but then eventually everyone's going to hit this wall where like it won't work anymore. So. Yes. It's a, it's good when you're in survival mode. Yeah. But this whole book has been Elizabeth in survival mode, so it's just not sustainable. It's her life now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. So Elizabeth doesn't want to read the magazines. And then Harriet um, is getting mad, ready for school. And then she has this, she's thinking about how um, 
Elizabeth had said that no one has any interest in reading about women in science um, since her article was rejected from all the science magazines. And then that gives Harriet an idea. She says, Roth's, Roth's article. Oh, the good one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Roth's article wasn't accepted by any science magazines. Yes. Yeah. Anything else from this chapter? Mm, Nope. That's it. All right. Chapter 40. Yep. All right. Chapter 40 called normal. So in this chapter, Elizabeth and Wakely have a heart to heart about Elizabeth's depression and Wakely gives some good priestly advice, even though spoiler alert, he doesn't believe in God. Um, Also note related to that, we learn both of Mads and Wakely's secrets in this chapter. Yes. And also responsible for her brother's death. Well, let's see. I had a question there because um, so they're talking about her brother's death and she's saying, I, I jumped into a, a quarry once and I couldn't swim when my brother jumped after me and got me to the other side. Then Wakely goes, oh, I see. So your brother saved you. So you think you should have been able to save him. Is that right? And she looked at him, her face hollow. Um, and then he goes, but Elizabeth, you couldn't swim. That's why he jumped in after you. Um, you have to understand suicide isn't like that. Like you didn't try to commit suicide. Suicide is a lot more complicated. Um, and then she said, Wakely, he didn't know how to swim either. And so I wasn't entirely sure what she was trying to get at there. Okay. Number one, if two people don't know how to swim, they're not being saved. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is so hard to save someone who's drowning if you do know how to swim, <laughs> if you don't know how to swim, you're both dying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe he okay. also knew physics. That's how she learned to row all the pieces no. for him. <laughs> no, because when you're drowning, you're flailing. Someone goes in. They always say this. They say, don't try to save someone who's drowning by jumping in. Yeah. Unless you're like a professional. They're like, you need to try to get them like a pool float. You want to try to get them a branch because if you go in there, they are going to cling to you and sink you like a stone. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of metaphors for that. Oh, like what do you mean? Well, just like if someone's like, what am I trying to say? Not metaphysical, but. Like as a metaphor, if they're like emotionally drowning or something like that, or they're they're struggling like that, if you go in and try to save them and you're not a professional, all they're going to do is sink you down with them. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Right. And so it almost kind of seems like Elizabeth's take is that, what I'm getting from it, is that her brother had this emotional drowning. Mm. and even she wasn't equipped to save him but she didn't try i guess oh that's interesting that's kind of how i took it but i like that but the reality is is that you can't he did not save her that is a lie and (laughs) (laughs) elizabeth's dead this whole book is a dream (laughs) (laughs) lessons in psychosis (laughs) yeah and if someone's having you know, mental issues, suicidal ideations, you as a person cannot 
save them. Yeah. Like you can help them. You can try to get them the resources. You can try to be there for them and support them. But if you try to go full in, jump into the water with them and try to pull them out, you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I I like that interpretation of this. Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. And and do you think that's what she's saying? Like she wished she had tried to go in and save him? I think so. I think it's like the fact that he he didn't know how to help her, but in that time when she was drowning, but he went in and was like, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And I think she's wishing that she had been able to do that for him, but she was like 12. Right. So it's like, okay, that's ridiculous. But I, I could see having some survivor's guilt. Some Yeah, I could see that. I could see that, especially with suicide, because you're like, I didn't see the signs. I didn't know. I didn't know they were struggling. And so I didn't do these things. So I, I could see feeling responsible. Yeah. Yeah. That was sad. So this is a good conversation, though, I feel like they have. Like, you actually do get a lot more, I think, depth or insight into how Elizabeth is feeling about Mm -hmm. all these things that happened in her life. Um, and I also thought that Wakely had some good advice at the end. I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he- oh yeah. I was just gonna say Wakely just tries to t- let Elizabeth know that you need to accept the things that you can't change. You can't fix everything and to be, to be okay with that. And he's like, you're not okay. Like accepting that things don't change. And she's like, chemistry is change. And that's the core of my belief. And so. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what we've been saying. Elizabeth hasn't been doing the whole time because she's been trying to fight the hard things or ignore them. And Wakely's coming in with some very good advice of like, well, sometimes you need to just accept them mm-hmm. and that's all you can do. Um, and chemistry is change kind of becomes the, like life lesson of the book and it keeps coming up in the last few chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I was looking up just now is that this is of course a quote and lessons in chemistry that chemistry has changed, but there's also a quote from breaking bad where it says um, it's Walter White. And he says, chemistry is well, technically chemistry is a study of matter, but I prefer to see it as a study of change. Mm. So Interesting. Maybe it's the roof of that. Um, but anyways, so that kind of becomes the lesson here. Um, and I really like the next line too, where Elizabeth is talking and of course she's very depressed. And she says, after everything that's happened, sometimes I feel like I want out too. And Wakely says, I get that. Believe me. But that's not really your problem. It's not that you want out. It's that you want back in. Mm-hmm. And I really like that line too. You know, it's not that you want to escape necessarily, or like maybe you want to, but what you are actually wanting is to have that acceptance and like maybe to belong, rediscover mm-hmm. your purpose, maybe something like that. Yeah. I like, I get it, but I'm also like a little confused about it too. Ooh. Because if you're like, my life is really hard and everything sucks and I want out. Okay, that makes sense to me. What does he mean about that you want back in? What does she want back in? I mean, I think in this case, she wants back in 
to maybe chemistry or like job, a work that she finds meaningful, wants back Mm -hmm. in with friendship. Yeah. Wants back in with family. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how it relates to this specific thing too. Okay. I guess I was trying to think of it more as like if you're feeling suicidal or having those types of thoughts, it's that you don't want out of life. It's that you want back into life or something. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. But when it's applied to this specific context, I see what you're saying. Do you think it could be like you want back into good life? You know? Yeah, I guess. I would say most people, if the reason why they're so upset, if you could wave a wand and say, hey, I can put you out of this situation and put you exactly how you want to be, they would probably be, okay, well, I'll give that a try. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I don't know. But I I like the line too. Cool. Chapter 41. All right. Chapter 41 called Recommit. Okay. So um, in this chapter, I felt like Elizabeth kind of seemed like a new person. Like she's always been confident, but maybe this is just like the Felix Felicitas or whatever charm, because in this chapter, everything she's super confident and everything she does, everyone listens to her and it all works out Mm -hmm. well. Um, And she decides to leave supper at six and recommit to chemistry. And of course, everyone is very sad. Um, And she shows up to Walter's house unannounced one evening to tell him because it's kind of like a spur of the moment decision. She's like, I need to tell Walter now. And so she goes Mm -hmm. there and who's there? other than none other than Miss Harriet. And we get um, confirmation that Walter and Harriet are in fact a thing and they've been spending time together, but wanted to keep it secret until Harriet's divorce went through. Um, And we also catch up with Marjorie Phyllis, the heart surgeon fan who actually started studying and got accepted to med school in record time and is going to be a heart surgeon. Um, And in her last episode of Supper at Six, Elizabeth gives a moving speech and empowers all the women. Yes. It feels odd because Elizabeth's like, I'm quitting and I'm going back to chemistry, but she's not interviewed. She's not done any work to get her back to chemistry. We don't know anything that's happened with her abiogenesis. Mm -hmm. We don't know that she's made any progress on it. She's just like, I'm going to quit now. I mean, we've already and known. As, mm-hmm. I was just going to say, as a single mom, that feels crazy. That's true. That's a good point. I was going to say, we already know that, you know, professional acumen is not her strong suit, considering she never negotiated a higher pay for her work. Even when she was setting the prices, she didn't set the price high enough. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, in some ways I'm not that surprised. And maybe like the show, okay, maybe the show's taking too much time, I guess. Although how much time does it take? She's got to come up with the recipes. Yeah, I guess they never really show us all of her prep work. Maybe she's studying chemistry or maybe she already knows it. I don't really know. But anyways, I guess it's taking too much time to where she couldn't try to find a new job. And maybe Miss Harriet has taken over her, you know, financial planning and has been able to save a lot of money so she can be okay without a job for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I it's kind of reckless 
<laughs> I could see that maybe she does have like a little nest egg saved up. Yeah. It just feels a little wild that you have this because the fact that she's a mom and it's like you have a kid. I just don't see parents being flippant like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see, but also though, I feel like this is affecting her mental health too. And like part of maybe why she feels so depressed is she's like, I don't want to be doing this job mm -hmm. and I don't find it meaningful. And maybe finding meaning in her work would, you know, really help restore that part of her. That's and, a good point. Yeah. That's important. And maybe being like that role model for Mad, because Mad was coming to her in tears and saying like, you're not a chemist. And it's my mm -hmm. fault. That's why she was really upset. So maybe yeah. she also wants to be a role model for Mad of like, hey, you can do what you want to do. That's a good point. I think that's a good point. Yeah. But financially, yeah, Dave Ramsey would not recommend. Mm -hmm. No. The whole Walter and Harriet thing felt very half-baked. Yeah. Say more. It... There was like a line here or there where they're like kind of into each other, I guess. Yeah. And I think I, I, and I think we mentioned this in the last recording session is that I would have liked to have seen a scene of Harriet telling her husband, like, I'm leaving you. Oh, yeah. Like kind of, kind of doing something like that. But it almost kind of seems like her and Walter are sneaking around while she's trying to divorce him. Yeah, it does. And it it just kind of gives it a little bit of an ick. Even though he, who she's married to is just a total jerk and he's horrible and she has every right to sneak around on him because he's been sneaking around on her. But it just kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of there too. I just would have liked to have seen, seen a, a paragraph of Harriet telling off the guy and her reconnecting with her kids or something. I don't know. Something. Yeah. Some more like closure for Harriet or like a growth moment for Harriet, because it seems like Harriet's growth is just like a giant jump. Maybe. I don't even know if it is growth. I mean, she has more confidence now. Does she? She, she was with a jerk guy. Now she's with another guy and she's assuming that he's not a jerk, but as we've been presented with every single guy in this book, pretty much, <laughs> is that, you know, they turn on you. And yeah. so in this case, we know Walter's a good guy. If we were reading this book from Harriet's perspective, I would be like, my God, girl, you need to be single for a minute. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and be like very careful before you, you know, pony up with another guy and start yeah. raising his kid. Right. And and I don't like the sneaking around thing either because I seem it doesn't seem in character with Harriet, considering she spent 30 years like really trying to, you know, I don't know, be the best wife she can be in all these things. And again, like, yeah, she's in a terrible marriage. Like I want something better for her too. But like this doesn't it seems like she would wait till her divorce is finalized. Or even I think if she just said, Listen, I'm leaving you. There's somebody else. We're done here. Yeah. Or that. And, and they made it public yeah. as it's going through. Yeah. I think it's the sneaking that I don't like. And it, yeah, 
I think you're right. I think that's what's weird for me too. Mm-hmm. All right. So what'd you think of her last episode of Supper at Six? I thought it was really nice. I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. I liked, so in the last chapter, Wakely said chemistry has changed and that's kind of the mm-hmm. life lesson. Um, and then in this chapter, uh, one of Elizabeth's parting lines is, whenever you start doubting yourself, whenever you feel afraid, just remember, courage is the root of change and change is what we're chemically designed to do. Um, so don't hold your hold yourself back anymore. Um, but ask yourself what you will change and then get started. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was like a convenient. This is this is kind of where in the end of the end of the book where I'm kind of like, okay, not every loose end needs to be tied up. Like the Mrs. George Phyllis who became like a doctor, (laughs) a heart surgeon. I was like, you're telling me after all of this gender discrimination that we have been looking at this entire book, this married woman, her husband is cool with her going to medical school, becoming a heart surgeon, that she's able to do all this stuff. Yeah. And everyone's okay with it. And, and he, <laughs> yeah, and everyone's okay with it. And she just was able to do it. Yeah, this book feels like they went from like actual 1950s straight to the Barbie movie where everything is yeah. suddenly perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they just transported there. And we're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like like Bonnie Garmus spent so much time showing all like, you know, the horrors of 1950s of like sexism and all these things. But now the message is like, but you can do anything you want. And it's like, but can you like, is right. this just a false fantasy you're setting up here? 100. This is like, fiction. <laughs> One billion percent. Like this, this wouldn't happen in the 1950s. It probably wouldn't have it happened now. Elizabeth's <laughs> dead. <laughs> Elizabeth's 100% dead. This is probably her last vision as she's <laughs> drowning in that quarry. Miss <laughs> Phyllis is still mopping the floors and cooking dinner. Oh, no. Harriet's still moving those sticky magazines oh. for her husband. I, I kind of like that interpretation. We're missing a chapter at the end. Bonnie had to cut out the chapter at the end where it pans out to Elizabeth's funeral. <laughs> and it's all been a vision. Like, this won't matter. <laughs> I kind of like that interpretation better. And it would kind of, I think, just make a, it would make this whole thing make sense, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh yeah. All right. So but but th- these are nice um sentiments here. Mm-hmm. So and and I do like her last well, she has a few last. She kept she keeps giving them their last word, but she says, um, take a moment and recommit. Challenge yourselves, ladies, use the laws of chemistry and change the status quo. And I like that. 
Uh, yep. And then she ends her show with, this concludes your introduction to chemistry, class dismissed. I really liked that. I like that. That was a great ending, I thought. I thought that was the perfect way to wrap up. I Yeah, I thought that was so good. Um, also, quick note, Bonnie's original title for this book was Introduction to Chemistry. Oh. Would have fit with this last episode. But her mm. publisher or someone said, sounds better as Lessons in Chemistry. I agree. It does sound better. But I, I get the connection with this last episode. Yeah. So. All right, 42? After 42. Okay, this one is called Personnel. And um, so Elizabeth Zott has had her last episode and has quit the TV business, but has not found a job since then. Um, but she gets a call from Miss Frask, who is now back at Hastings and actually seems to be in charge. Um <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah so unsurprising there i guess um unsurprising is that we get harriet's inside scoop on what's been going on in her life and predictably she has had terrible experiences with priests because all catholics are terrible in this book um and they gave her bad advice on marriage but now she feels empowered after meeting elizabeth to now leave her husband and get a career in magazines um, and as per usual, she is still meddling in everyone's business, but this time she uses it for good and sends Roth's article out everywhere, um, but doesn't get a response from any magazine. And at first is disheartened, but then realizes that actually her husband, Mr. Sloan, has been throwing out all of her mail. And we never really get a resolution on that, but I guess it all worked out because the article was accepted and is now the cover of Vogue. Um, oh, Oh, oh gosh is this all the same chapter gosh yeah okay so that happens um and then elizabeth after getting her call from miss frask she returns to hastings and is met with many surprises um she sees her face on the cover of vogue she meets wilson the guy from the children's home who had all the money um and avery parker who is the face behind parker what was it called parker foundation mm -hmm. um they want to fund her research and make her the head of the department um, and also surprise, they bought a majority share of Hastings. So actually they're in charge now. So they made Frask the head of personnel. And when Dynasty busted on their meeting, <laughs> after he comes out of nowhere from his vacation, he's fired on the spot by everybody in the room. The end. This was insane. I <laughs> wish I could delete this chapter. <laughs> I hated it. I felt like it undermined so many things. Say it, say it. It. Just just all of it. But let's just go from the top. Um, <laughs> so Elizabeth, not able to get any jobs. No surprise there. She was unmarketable before. She's arguably even less marketable now because they think she's a cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she has all the terrible quotes of respected scientists in the Life magazine. Yes. Working against her. I did highlight... Um, because Harriet's like, oh, you could always go back to the show. She's like, you know, Walter would put you back in a second. And she said, I know, but I can't. And then she says, at least the reruns are doing well. So I'm assuming she has some, some level of income from the reruns. Yeah, I think so. So good move. Yeah. So that was a good move. <laughs> and she gets the call from Hastings. And she's really worried that they've noticed that Calvin's boxes were missing. Wait, say it again. Elizabeth gets a call from Hastings. Mm -hmm. Or Harriet gets a call from Hastings. 
Yeah, Harry gets a call from Hastings, and then Elizabeth's like really worried that Hastings is going to come after her for Calvin's boxes. Oh, that's right. But then she says it's the head of personnel, which is Mrs. Frask. Yeah. And then Elizabeth's like, she likes to kid, but I guess with Mrs. Frask, but I guess they're like, maybe she's not kidding. So then they go to Hastings. Yeah. So she calls Miss Frasco. Elizabeth ends up talking to Miss Frasco because she calls her back. And she's in disbelief that she's actually at Hastings. She thinks it's all a ruse. Um, okay. But Frasco is able to convince her, like, no, you need to come back here. Um, the investor's back and you need to be here. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, oh, and she said that um, she is the top of the heap and she's cleaning house. So I think all those things got um, Elizabeth back to Hastings. This is unbelievable. How did Frask? All right, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. All right, now we flip over to Harriet. And I guess she's serving the divorce papers. Because she went to the law offices of Hanson and Hanson. Yes. And but, mm-hmm. the line of why Harriet stayed for so long, she says, for the last 30 years, the priest had, uh, for the last 30 years, the priest had nodded, then explained that while divorce was out of the question, she still had lots of options. For example, she could pray to find ways to become a better wife. She could take a good look at herself and try to understand how she upset him. And she could take more care with her appearance. And while that is, okay, fiction or 50s. I, I mean, I could see a priest saying that. Like, I'm sure that did happen. I don't think I most think of them that's, would say that. I would say in the 50s, I think most of them would say that. I mean, I really have no idea, honestly. I would like to think most of them wouldn't. I, I don't know about most of them. Maybe like a strong minority. I, I could get I, it that much. Well, I guess like what we talked about last time is that even with how we were raised, it's we were raised under the impression that like if you weren't there for your guy, he's going to go cheat on you. Like it's the woman's responsibility if the marriage doesn't work out. Like yeah. you weren't you weren't satisfying him. You weren't you you were nagging too much. You were blah 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 blah. blah, blah. You drove him away. I could see. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I could see that. I don't don't think that's exclusive to priests. I think that was just the general tone. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's different, though, like in if we're talking about Harriet specifically, where it's like he's looking at, you know, dirty magazines, he's beating her. He's doing all these other things like I would like to think that, you know, when physical abuse is involved, that it's different. But, I mean, I, I wasn't alive in the 1950s, so I don't know. We watched a movie. Um, Shoot. We watched a movie set in... It was an Ireland movie set in Connemara. Connemara. The Quiet Man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so let's look up The Quiet Man. Okay, this is perfect. The Quiet Man, a 1952 romance Western movie. And it was like a comedy drama. Okay. And it had John Wayne and all these other people that were very popular at the time. And so basically he comes back to his Irish home from New York 
and he's going to go rehabilitate his childhood home. And then there's this redheaded, fiery woman, and she's there. And then they fall in love, and it's kind of follows that. And part of the movie is the woman and her brother are fighting over, like, me fortune. That's what she keeps calling it, me fortune. <laughs> <laughs> and she wants John Wayne to like defend her and be a man and beat up her brother, but he doesn't want to do that. And then they kind of go back and forth. And then finally she's like, I'm leaving. She's like, I'm going to the train. So she goes to the train to leave him, but she's only doing it so that he comes after her. So then he comes after her and then he grabs her by the arm and he literally drags her back to the house. Oh my gosh. And the whole town is following behind and they're like, this is what she needs. She needs to get in her place and her shoe falls off and he keeps dragging her back to the house. And it was a comedy and it was like funny, but it's also like that is what it was uh, yeah i mean maybe maybe it was like that i recommend that you That's watch possible. it oh, i would like I don't know you if to I watch too. it it's, it's a it is a funny movie it's a funny movie and i'm saying it when you say what happened oh i found the scene i think <laughs> Yeah, he's dragging her back from the train station. There's the whole town. They're all following him. They're cheering him on. Here she goes. She's going to fall. She's about okay, to okay. fall. I would, I would like to interject. When you said drag, I was imagining like she's not walking. Her feet are like dragging on the floor. Maybe that comes up. But right now, he is definitely tugging her. They are he's... walking together. Here she goes. She lost her shoe. He's still pulling her. Now, what you can't hear is that they're telling they're, the townspeople are telling him to use her shoe that fell off to beat her. There she goes. What? She fell. Here oh, he now he is dragging her. <laughs> I think he might slap her. <gasps> it's only five miles. Five miles. He threw her. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this isn't good. (laughs) She fell again. He grabs her by her shirt. He drags her on the floor. Throws her. Oh, she tries to. Hits her in the butt. Yeah, she tries to hit him, but she misses. And then he knees her in the butt. Yeah. And this was in a movie. And every look, the woman gave him a stick so that he can beat her once that he gets Miss Frask. Yeah. <laughs> all these people are saying, I love this movie. This is great. <laughs> and they all look like men. I don't know. They're all anime <laughs> icons. I can't tell. All right, here's a If you saw the whole movie, there. this wouldn't phase you a bit. I mean. it. So it is, just seeing that scene, it is like it taken a little bit 
out of context but it's like at the same token he is physically dragging her the town is telling him to beat her and it's not like she was a peach the whole movie right she was definitely infuriating but i just feel like that tonality of not treating women well and blaming women for the reason why guys do bad things yeah that felt very believable yeah that's that's fair i mean yeah maybe i'm just i i'm trying to rationalize things or give a rosy lens to things i think though also my defenses are just up because everything about the about religion in this whole book has been terrible so <laughs> I'm like gosh yes. give it a break I would, I would say the caveat is that it's not exclusive to the priest i think that was everybody had that everyone's opinion. terrible everyone had that opinion i guess it's not that Harriet went to her Catholic priest and he gave her bad advice. If Harriet went to anyone, they'd probably give her that same bad advice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think that's I think that's what I would say. All right. Well, anyways, so yeah, Harriet gets bad advice from the priest who probably would have been like the guy in the video dragging her along. <laughs> Miss <laughs> Frask would have been there to hand him the stick to beat her. Um, but then she decides that she has a lot of experience with magazines because she's read so many of them. Um, and maybe that'll be her career. So then she sends out the the article. Um, and of course it ends up on the cover of Vogue. Yes. <clears throat> and then she she says after four, so this is Harriet. She's submitting it to all these article, all these magazines. She says after four months, the burn of rejection, she tried to face the facts. Maybe she didn't know magazines as well as she thought she did. Maybe no one wanted Harriet and her Roth article, just like no one wanted Elizabeth and her abiogenesis. And then this is line. Or maybe Mr. Sloan, unhappy with Harriet's newfound happiness, had decided to punish her in all new ways. Maybe he threw out her mail. And I'm like, if Harriet had just done a proper leaving, and just moved in with Walter. They're already, you know, pariahs, social pariahs. I think it would have been easier to move in with Elizabeth. Or move in with Elizabeth. But maybe that's too close. Like, but she's not safe in her own house. She's not know. safe in her own house. Yeah, she's definitely safer at Elizabeth's house than her house. It's like, why are yeah. you still with this man? Like, yeah, why are you that's... still staying there? Why are you sneaking around? That's this part where I'm like, it just. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and also, since when does Mr. Sloan get the mail? Since when does he do anything around here? How did well you, you not get it? You first? know, when when people are like, "I'm leaving you," then all of a sudden their behavior changes. I guess so, but I'm just still surprised that Harriet didn't get the mail first. But I guess that's a small detail. So, oh well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Whatever. <laughs> Bonnie had to cut out all the details. <laughs> we're in a we're in a spaceship right now. Anything goes. <laughs> we're off the rails. Anything goes. This is the dream. <laughs> Every book seems to reach this point. <laughs> uh, okay. The deadline. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bad writing or publication deadline. <laughs> yeah okay so now elizabeth someone's like will you sign my magazine miss Sot? and then she's like no life 
the like life's magazine life's dead to me and then she's like oh no i didn't read life she's like i mean this one and then it's why their minds matter read the cover of vogue so she made the cover of vogue from harriet's submission cool and that was the good article that roth had originally written yeah i like that yeah i like that too all right, so she's at Hastings. She sees Miss Frask, um, and they're all meeting in Calvin's old lab, which Elizabeth is like, why are we here? Um, and then Wilson and Avery are there, um, and they all meet. Yes. So she meets the fat cat investor, Avery Parker, and Avery Parker is like, uh, we'll be needing a full inventory from the lab. We'll, she's like, whatever you need, Mrs. Zott, uh, for your research here at Hastings. And then Wilson, the assistants, like to continue your work on abiogenesis. Like we want you to, you know, since you've retired from cooking, we want you to come work here and do your research. And then Elizabeth says a very reasonable line. I really don't want to waste your time, Elizabeth said. But I don't see myself returning to Hastings. It's personal. I don't know why it wasn't personal the first time she returned. I agree. (laughs) And Avery Parker's like, I don't blame you, but like, give me a chance to change your mind. And so then they start going into this crazy thing. The part that I'm like, I hate about all of this is that it sounds like this Avery Parker lady just has buku money. Why are you so obsessed with Hastings? Make a new research lab. That's true. Could have done that. Make one that's all lady funded. Yeah. Why are you worrying about Hastings? Well, I mean, I, I that part didn't bother me, actually, because, like, Calvin was there. And also, like, you need to get scientists to go to the research center. And it's, like, easier if it's already established. Like... I don't know. That part didn't bother me. What I thought was weird is that she has buku money and it keeps being misappropriated. Like, how does it keep happening? (laughs) How do you not have better tabs on where your money's going? She has just unlimited money to donate for projects she does not actually care about. Apparently. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it just this obsession with Hastings feels weird because it was such a garbage place and it's now supposedly been publicized in all of the articles that it's a garbage place. Yeah. I mean, like his Frask wrote about how it's so horrible and how they mistreat people and how they're stealing research and how they're plagiarizing. Right. And that no problem. They're just going to buy it up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe it's kind of trying to say, like, things can be redeemed. Like, Miss Frask has had a change. Yeah. And maybe they're like, Hastings was a terrible place, but it can change. Maybe that's kind of the whole thing. It's It can change. So you don't need to make new things, but you can make things new. I guess that's, I guess that's a good point. That could be a nice read on it, but I get what you're saying. It's also weird because they bought out the place, Frask became head of HR, and no one told dynasty he was on vacation and he just shows up and then they publicly humiliate him and fire him (laughs) and i was just like that's weird it was weird i mean dynasty gets what he deserves sure but it just 
I don't know, just convenient. It felt like Scooby-Doo a little bit, <laughs> you know, something like that where you're just like, okay, everyone's coming out from the woodwork. We're all coming in for this last scene so you can get one last beating before you're done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole end of the book feels like Scooby-Doo. It's like, wow, that worked out perfectly. <laughs> that was perfect timing. <laughs> How'd that happen? Yeah. But she was on a page limit, so. I guess so. So I guess so. So Elizabeth takes Dynasty's job as head of chemistry. Yeah. Um, and she gets to really rub it in at the end because um, Avery and Wilson, the investors, are like, well, Elizabeth is the head of chemistry, so she gets a say on your job. And she leans in and looks over at him and she says, sorry, Dynasty, you're just not smart enough. Which I like the line. I think the reason why I really just did not like this chapter at all is because Elizabeth gets to do science because Calvin's rich, long-lost family comes in and gives her carte blanche to research whatever she wants to do. They're not even interested in her research. They don't care yeah. about it. They are only funding her, we find out in the next chapter, because she was with Calvin and they wanted to help Calvin out. Okay, yeah. So do you think this whole premise of this, and maybe even also she got the cooking show pretty much because she was so pretty. Do you yeah. think that like subverts the whole like feminist uh, yes. like theme? Yes. It's like she didn't do really any of this. It was actually all Calvin. Yeah. I mean, okay. I think a generous read I could give this is that Calvin also didn't get where he was going on his own. And it's because people helped him. And that had come up earlier in the book where it's like, well, you need other people's help. And he tried to help her in reasonable ways. And she always said, no, like I need to do it myself. And here at the end, she kind of has like the fairy godmother coming in and like giving her the help that a lot of other people maybe already have gotten or like naturally get, you know, not not help like this necessarily, but just a help. And like she did yeah. do all the science. Like she's she's proven herself already. Has she? Nobody seems interested in this abiogenesis except this fat cat investor who we found out is only interested in it because she was related to Calvin. Well, no, because her There's work no was one stolen. Else. Her work was stolen and published. And it was like this really groundbreaking article, right? I thought we don't know that. I don't think. I think what it was is that the fat cat investor is like, what are you doing on abiogenesis? Are you doing any research on it? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing stuff. And then they had to like scrap something together. Yeah. Well, either way, I mean, her work was stolen and published and it seemed to be like a good article. You know? Yeah. I mean, I guess it, I guess it was. It just to me. Because I, I understand what you're saying. We had talked about that before where it's like Elizabeth has to get over the fact that you can't get anywhere all on your own. Yeah. But this just felt like total 180 where it's like. It was. It, it almost feels like they gave her like a little toy chemistry thing. Like, okay, Elizabeth, here, you're going to go do this now and just spend the money however you want and just see what you want to do. It just kind of cuts off all of that. Yeah, it it does. I mean, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. 
And I saw some comments on line with a similar type of thing where it kind of mm-hmm. seems like the white knight coming in and saving her. Yeah. She, she couldn't do it on her own. No one right. was interested in her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe is this book trying to be like, here's a fantasy of what I would want to actually happen in the 1950s story of everything works out in the end. I think that's part of my dissatisfaction at the end is like everything works out perfectly. And it's like, what? Really? You know what I would have liked? If Elizabeth made ridiculous money on that cooking show and then she just funded herself and started her yeah. own. That honestly would make a lot more sense. It would make a lot more sense. She was super famous and she started a chemistry thing with like a cooking leg. That's a great idea. That should be our Twitter question for Bonnie Garmoose. <laughs> Is that the game? No, it's not. That's what oh. <laughs> we always ask a question to the author. <laughs> yeah. I I like that ending, I think, more. That just seems to make a lot more sense. And it kind of like flows better. And it would make sense if the Parker Foundation was maybe maybe Elizabeth bought out Hastings. So she's still like she's changing the old thing. And then the Parker Foundation comes in with more funding and says, hey, we want to support you in this. Yeah. I like that because that way you can they can still connect. Right. Right. I, I think there was a better way to do this than Avery Parker, like you said, being the fairy godmother and then waving her wand and now everything's great. Yeah. I mean, maybe we wouldn't be happy with either because if this chapter started instead of Elizabeth not having any job, which we're like, okay, reasonable. If instead it said... Elizabeth then went on to buy out Hastings and have her own research program and then got a call from the Parker Foundation. Like, I don't know if I'd really like that either. I don't know that I would like that either. Maybe maybe all it could have just been is like Elizabeth's like, I have saved up a lot of money and I'm going to go out and I'm going to start a scrappy investment thing. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, you know, low budget because I have money, but I don't have like ridiculous money. I'm not like an heiress now. And then Avery comes in and meets her and says, I really believe in your science and like your research. And I want this to be a big thing. Like, let's go buy out Hastings together or something. Mm, Yeah. And again, we we could have deleted the whole rowing thing. And (laughs) I mean, with how fast Bonnie's plot moves, I don't know that it would have been more than a page or two (laughs) to get this all together. (laughs) I think you're right. That's a great point. It could have been done. It could have been done. It doesn't seem like it is that creative of an ending. This just feels too, too much. Yeah. Too outrageous. Too, too outrageous with no payoff. Yeah. No payoff. Yeah. I told Andrew the ending. He's like, oh, well, did it end better? And I was like, no, it ended up with her long lost dead boyfriend's family coming into contact with her with like a bazillion dollars and buying her old job. And he's like, that's a really dumb ending. And I was like, I agree. A little bit. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bookalicious. 
If you like this discussion, please rate or subscribe to our channel to help other book lovers find this content as well. If you have any questions or suggestions for future books, we'd love to hear from you at bookalicious.pod at gmail.com. As always, thanks for joining our club.